Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is one 877 That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. On tonight's show, we'll be chatting with, um, let me see, our first guest tonight is going to be Shannon Sylvia. We're going to talk to her about uh, Ghost Hunters International. Hour number two, Jason Gowan is going to join us. And in hour number three, Michael Esposito. That's tonight here on the X-Zone. And, of course, hour number four tonight is um, X-1, minus of course. If you'd like to give us a call, once again, our toll-free number is one 877 That's toll-free at one 877 <coughs> Sorry about the uh, beginning. We just had a bit of a technical glitch, but as usual... Between here and White Springs, Florida, the home of Talk Star Radio Network, we were able to get everything worked out. All the bugs are out. And uh, here we are, live and around the world on Talk Star. Now, tomorrow is Canada Day, July the 1st. We are going to be taking the day off here in our uh, studios. But we will be back on Thursday night live. And on, uh, on Thursday night and then Friday night, of course, we're going to be here. And then the next week... We're here five nights. Now, we've been uh, talking about the Paracon, and that is the um, first Canadian-American paranormal conference that is happening up in Sarnia, Ontario, August 6th and 7th. Robbie Thomas, who was with us yesterday, is the host and the master. Uh, he's the host and the organizer of the event. And it's going to be something quite unusual. First time a paranormal event has been held in Sarnia. So we're going to be uh, very excited to see how everything works out at Paracon. Now, if you'd like more information, the website is www.robbythomas, that's R-O-B-B-I-E-T-H-O-M-A-S, forward slash, uh, dot net, sorry, 
Then it's forward slash Paracon, P-A-R-A-C-O-N, 2009. Today is a Tuesday, June the 30th, last day of June, and on this date in history in 1859, a French acrobat crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope. On this date in 1936, the novel Gone with the Wind also came out. At that time, uh, Clark Cable didn't give a damn. And if you're born today, well, happy birthday to you from everyone here at the Exona and Talkstar. And uh, you're in good company because also born this day is the sexy and former Boston legal co-star Monica Potter. She turns 38 today. Mike Tyson turns 43. And today is National Blonde Day. And men of all ages love the stereotypical blonde. He's, uh, you know, he's um, <clears throat> always fantasized her throughout his life. And here's some blonde facts for you, explanation. American adults who are naturally blonde are only 5%. World population that is naturally blonde, 2%. Finnish uh, population that is blonde, 30%. American women who color their hair, who chose blonde, 42%. 2004 Playboy centerfolds who were blonde, 40%. Miss America winners who are blonde, 24%. Women who think the first female president will have brown hair, 76%. Blondes who think they are more popular with the men, 91%. And men who think blondes have uh, better love lives than other women, 18%. And the year by which natural blondes may be extinct, and this is a scientific fact, 2202. So even the scientists don't think anything's going to happen in 2012, or else the year that natural blondes would be extinct would have been 2012, but they're looking at 2202, so... There you go. Thank heavens to the blondes. We know we're not going to be annihilated in the year 2012. Now, when I come back from this two-minute commercial break, we're going to be joined by Shannon Sylvia talking about Ghost Hunters International. And if you'd like to give us a call, one 877 And my email is xzone at talkstarradio.com. My name's Rob McConnell, and this is the Zone for Tuesday, June the 30th in the year 2009. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzoneradio.com.
Welcome back, everyone. My first guest this hour is uh, Shannon Sylvia. She hails from Boston, Massachusetts. She appears on Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters International as one of the six investigators and has also appeared as a client on A&E's Paranormal State. Her experiences growing up in a small historic town rife the paranormal activity sparked in her young, in her strong interest in the field. And she has dedicated a great number of time to investigating unexplained incidents that for years plagued her parents' home as well as her own. Those domestic experiences with the supernatural led to Shannon's re relationship with TAPS, a team that was founded by Steve Gonsalves. After several investigations conducted in her home and going through the proper training, she joined the team. Since ghost hunting with GHI, she continues to take every advantage of opportunities to expand her knowledge of paranormal investigating by lecturing at conferences, attending workshops, conducting residential and commercial locations, and working with the best in the field. And Shannon, welcome to the X-Zone. Good evening. How are you doing? Um, t uh, tell me, Shannon, um, what's it like working with the GHI and uh, Paranormal State? Well, one is quite different from the other. Um, on one show, I was a client living in a haunted house. In the other show, I was uh, investigating, investigating clients' haunted houses. <laughs> so uh, it's been it's been quite exciting um, being myself, you know, investigating mm -hmm. my brains out in the past year and a half, working on, on all these projects. Tell me, are there any new tools of the trade that you've been trying out? Absolutely. Um, I bought a laser pointer on eBay that I just kind of told myself I'd give it a whirl. I was looking for something different that didn't have just a single line on it. Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes it's hard to see if there's a line break with just that with that microscopic little pinpoint line. And so I bought one that actually looks like a constellation on the wall. It, you can break it up into a grid pattern or stars, and it will take up the entire area of a room uh, if you do aim it the right way and it does uh, show any line breaks if anything was to pass through it. So that's my new little toy for $14.99. I love it. That was a good investment. <laughs> it is, it is. I've only used it a few times, and every time I use it, somebody buys it off of me, so I have to turn around and buy another one. <laughs> I, I hope you make profit at it. Uh, no, I just I just need to keep turning around and buying new ones, so I'm selling them for whatever it costs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, why do you think there's so much drama in this field? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a very popular question. I think it's a lot to do with the fact that it's such a new up-and-coming field, and it's so easy for people to just start their own television show. I think a lot of it's fueled by jealousy. You know, a lot, a lot of people who have come to me in the past year that said I would never be on TV, I, I would never want it, have all pitched shows, and some of them have gotten on shows, and some of them haven't. And it's not 100% about television but a lot of it's just about jealousy and if somebody has jaded somebody else on another team they turn around and try to create waves on another team a new team or, or just constantly backstabbing and fighting it's terrible it's all right back to high school it's disgusting it's terrible and it needs to stop so what do, what, a, what do you think will change all this uh, bitterness and all this petty jealousy i don't know honestly i uh, there, it always seems like the same pattern of people mm -hmm. causing the crap over and over again, too. I just, I don't think anything can stop it. There's no rules and regulations. There's no laws in this field. There's nothing that people can go to turn to. There's no uh, paranormal better business bureau to say. So it's very difficult to say exactly what's going to stop it. I think people just getting so 
sick and tired of it, the, the majority of people so tired of it, we're finally just going to avoid it and, uh, you know, just spread the word, I guess. I've spoken out on a lot of subjects like this, and, you know, I've called a lot of people out mm-hmm. and uh, just trying to put an end to all the crap. It's, it's nonsense. Everybody's forgetting to do the one thing that we love most is ghost hunting. Um, tell me, having been the victim of a haunting, now being an investigator, does anything scare you anymore? Yes, actually. Um, tall pine trees do. I don't know why. And tornadoes. Uh, but I do I do get scared in some haunted locations. I don't care what anybody says. There's always that little flutter in your heart when mm-hmm. something goes wrong. Uh, even Bobby Mackey's been there a thousand times. The place still scares me every single time like I've never been in there. And... Uh, just not as badly, you know. I don't have uh, a fight or flight response anymore. It's just basically, you know that you're going to get out of it fine. So you'll be okay. You really, it takes training. It takes experience to grow a thicker skin when it comes to investigating. What's your where? Where or what is your favorite location to investigate? Um, I'd have to say Bobby Mackey's. I do love that place. I know I talk about it a lot. Uh, it was on my top ten list of places as, as far as number one uh, uh-huh. to investigate when uh, when I did finally get into investigating here in the United States after doing the overseas thing. And, uh, you know, the place is a haunted nightclub that has a, a possible demonic presence as well as there's been murders and suicides. It has an extremely awesome history. And uh, there, are, there are multiple personalities that haunt the place. You can pick up numerous EVPs uh, from men and women, growls, barks, uh, weird noises. I love that place. It never disappoints. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, they do not overly advertise that it's a haunted location. You know, it's getting a little more attention throughout the years. But um, I, I really do. I just love it, this old haunted nightclub, inside and out. <laughs> um. How do you find the time to respond to all the messages you get daily from people? <laughs> uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, I do work in front of a computer all day long, most mm-hmm. of the time when I'm not traveling. So I do have access to MySpace. Uh, I've yet to set up a Facebook account. Um, I do get a lot of inquiries from people looking for investigations or having me come out and speak at events. It's, it can get a little overwhelming. But I do get back to everybody, each and individually. Uh, I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis. I do feel that I'm no better than anyone else. I, I'm just, I would be doing the same thing if I had not been on a TV show. And I think people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I do hear a lot about how the other cast members on other shows never get back to people. And it really hurts the people big time. And it disappoints them. It disappoints the families, the kids, their, their parents. and. Um, I just want to be there for people, and I don't mind doing it, and I love it, and I love talking to people and learning new things and seeing their pictures and, and sharing advice, and uh, it's just part of life. What is the question that you get asked the most uh, from your fans? Um, hmm. I think the question that I get most from the fans is, how is it like to work with the other cast members? And uh, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult to answer because everybody's, different everybody has different personalities and um it was very stressful for all of us on the road to work together you know months at a time without much of a break except for maybe in a week in the action uh a week break it's tough we all are friends now to this day and uh i can't 
another popular question is, can you pass on, like, some information to so-and-so, or can you give this gift to so-and-so or get an autograph from so-and-so? No, I can't. That's just kind of a code we all have. So stop asking me. <laughs> Shannon, would you ever do another TV show? Um, I think I would. It would have to be the right one, and it would definitely have to be something to do with ghost hunting, as that's really my passion. And um, I'm ready. You know, I've had a few offers, and there, there have been a couple offers I've turned down. It wasn't the right time or the right kind of team or scenario. I would have been doing something I wasn't completely skilled at in the field. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and the experiences are awesome. And I do love to travel, and I'm self-employed, so I up and go. Mm -hmm. And um, I would, I would like to do it again. What's going to happen when the end comes to the paranormal uh, fad? <laughs> oh, Lord, could that happen quicker? I don't know. I, I don't know if it will ever end because, really, this is a passionate hobby for a lot of people, including myself. Mm -hmm. I don't think the passion will ever end. I just think, I just think that um, there's going to be a lot of changes, whether it's um, reg legislation or rules or some kind of, like I said, better business bureau that pops in and, and starts helping people out. I don't know, but I, I, I would hate to see it end completely and, and events stop happening and conferences and amazing locations being investigated. That's never going to happen. I think it's around for a very long time, but I would like to see people's attitudes ending. That would be great. Are you in this for the money? What money? <laughs> I hardly ever, ever, ever get paid for an appearance, and not a lot of people in this field can say that, so I'm very proud of that. <laughs> no, but you do make money on the shows. Uh, not very much, actually. We make a lot more money making minimum wage here in the United States. Oh, boy. And that's, that's not a lie. A lot of people, it's a mess. A lot of people think that you make a lot of money on these shows. Mm -hmm. The only time you make a lot of money is when you've been on the show for a couple of years and you start getting the uh, residuals from the repeats. Um, a lot of people don't realize that either. That doesn't even happen. But when you're a brand new to the show, you're basically given a take it or leave it salary, and that's that. And it's really not, it's definitely not enough to pay the bills. Thank God, you know, I have other jobs sure. that I could do while I was on the road. Do you like investigating with your husband? I love, I do. I think uh, I've been waiting for years for that to happen. Um, I started out in 2005, and he wanted nothing to do with it. He didn't understand why people sit in the dark and do this. Um, he was playing hockey. I was I was ghost hunting, and now it, he loves it. Now he understands fully why I loved it so much, and he, too, has made a ton of new friends like I have, and it's just awesome. There's nothing, nothing better than sharing your favorite hobby with best friend, the person that you love. Shannon, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. You take care of yourself. Continued success, and I hope that we have the pleasure of talking to you again in the future. Okay, great. Thank you for having me. Take care, have Shannon. Have a good night. Bye-bye now. Shannon Sylvia was our guest explanation, www.shannonsylvia.com. That's www.shannonsylvia.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the X-Zone continues on the Talkstar Radio Network. one 877 is toll-free. And, of course, you can always chat with me on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news as we continue live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on Talkstar. Don't go away. There's a family-friendly TV channel you can watch on the Internet direct from the Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzoneradio.com.
But lately something's changed that he hard to define Yes, he's got himself a girl and I want to make her mine And she's watching me with those eyes Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Ceasy Fields Organic Vineyard in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. back everyone this weekend is the big weekend in roswell new mexico and over the last couple of weeks we've had a number of uh, of the special speakers who are going to be at the roswell mufon conference including uh, let me see we had peter robbins on we had jesse marcel jr on we had dennis balthazer on we even had stanton friedman on uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, it's a big event in roswell but there's two sides to the coin and what we're going to play now is the other side of the coin that explains what might have happened in Roswell. We're not sure if it was a UFO that crashed. There still is no evidence, no physical evidence to to uh, to actually confirm that that fact. So let's take a hypothetical look at what might have happened at Roswell. In 1947, Kenneth Arnold was flying over the Cascade Mountains in Washington State in search of a missing plane when he spotted what he claimed were nine disc-shaped craft. He calculated them to be moving at speeds of 1,200 miles per hour, far faster than any human-built aircraft of the 1940s could manage. When he talked to reporters after the flight, Arnold said the crafts moved like a saucer skipping over water, and the newspaper editor, hearing the description, called the objects flying saucers. Thus, the expression flying saucers entered the English language, and a UFO craze much like the one that followed Orson Welles' 1938 broadcast of War of the Worlds swept the country. It was in this atmosphere that William Mack Brazil made an unusual discovery. On July 8, 1947, while riding across his ranch 26 miles outside of Roswell, New Mexico, he came across some mysterious wreckage. Sticks, foil paper, tape, and, and other debris. Brazel had never seen anything like it, but UFOs were on his mind. 
He'd read about Arnold's sighting in the newspaper and heard about a national contest offering $3,000 to anyone who recovered a flying saucer. He wondered if he had stumbled across just the kind of evidence the contest organizers were looking for. Brazel gathered a few pieces of the stuff and showed it to his neighbors, Floyd and Loretta Proctor. The Proctors didn't know what it was either, and neither did George Wilcox, the county sheriff. So Brazel contacted officials at the nearby Roswell Army Air Force Base to see if they could help. The next day, an Army intelligence officer named Jesse Marcel went out to Brazel's ranch to have a look. He was as baffled as everyone else was. I saw small bits of metal, he recalled to reporters years later, but mostly we found some material that's hard to describe. Some of it looked very much like parchment, and some of it consisted of square sticks as long as four feet. Much was metallic. The stuff was also surprisingly light. Brazel later estimated that all the scraps together didn't weigh more than five pounds. Marcel and his assistant had no trouble loading all the debris into their cars and driving it back to the Roswell base. The next day, Marcel took it to another base in Fort Worth, Texas, where it was further examined. Now, was the wreckage from outer space? Brazel and Proctors examined some of the degree before giving it to the military. Although it seemed flimsy at first, it was extremely resilient. We tried to burn it, but it would not ignite, Loretta recalled. We tried to cut it and scrape at it, but a knife wouldn't touch it. It looked like wood or plastic, but back then we did not have plastic. Back then we figured it doesn't look like a weather balloon. I don't think it was something from Earth, Loretta Proctor said. And then there's the military's about face. The morning after the military took possession of the wreckage, the media relations officer at Roswell hand-delivered a news release to the two radio stations and newspaper in town. The release stated that the object found in Brazel's field was a flying saucer. It was the first time in history that the U.S. military had ever made such a claim. A few hours later, though, the military changed its story. It issued a new press release claiming that the wreckage was that of a weather balloon carrying a radar target, not a flying disc. But it was too late. The newspaper deadline had already passed. They ran the first news release on the front page under the headline, Air Force Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. Other newspapers picked up the story and ran with it as well. Within 24 hours, news of the military's capture spread around the world. Interest in the story was so great that the next day, Brigadier General Roger Ramey, commander of the U.S. 8th Air Force, had to hold a press conference in Fort Worth in which he had again stated that the recovered object was only a weather balloon and a radar target that was suspended from it. He even displayed the wreckage for reporters and allowed them to photograph it. And then there was Mark Brazel's unusual behavior. Mark Brazel refused to talk about the incident for the rest of his life, even with the members of his immediate family, except to say that, Whatever the wreckage was, it wasn't any type of balloon. So then why the silence? His son Bill explains, The Air Force asked him to take an oath that he wouldn't tell anyone in detail about it. My dad was such a guy that he went to his grave and never told anyone. Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt, authors of UFO Crash at Roswell, claim that shortly after Brazel made his famous discovery, his neighbors noticed a change in his lifestyle. He suddenly seemed to have more money. When he returned, he drove a new pickup truck. He also had the money to buy a new house in uh, Tularosa, New Mexico, and a new meat locker. Randall and Schmidt allege that the military may have paid Brazel for his silence, or was this the money from the members of the media anxious for a sensationalistic story? 
trust me. Today, if the government announced that it had captured a UFO, even if it was mistaken, and tried to change its story a few hours later by claiming it was really a weather balloon, nobody would buy it. But people were more trusting in the years following World War II. Amazingly, the story died anyway. As Davis of Bull writes, The Army's announcement of the weather balloon explanation ended flying saucer excitement. All mention of the craft dropped from the newspapers, from military records, and from the national consciousness, and even from the talk of the town in Roswell. Even the Roswell Daily Record, which broke the story in the first place, was satisfied with the military's explanation. A few days later, it ran a headline that was even bigger than the first one. General Ramey empties Roswell saucer. The Roswell story would have probably stayed dead if Stanton Friedman, a nuclear physicist, hadn't lost his job during the 1970s. UFOs were Friedman's hobby until he got laid off, and then it became his career. In the 1970s, when the bottom fell out of the nuclear physics business, he explains, I went full-time as a lecturer. His favorite topic? Flying saucers are real. A talk he gave at more than 600 different college campuses and other venues around the country. In his years on the lecture circuit, Friedman developed a nationwide reputation as a UFO expert, and people who'd seen UFOs began seeking him out. In 1978, he made contact with Jesse Marcel, the Army intelligence officer who retrieved the wreckage from Mark Brassel's ranch 31 years earlier. At Friedman's urging, Marcel gave an interview to the National Enquirer. I'd never seen anything like it, Marcel told the supermarket tabloid. I didn't know what we were picking up. I still believe it was nothing that came from Earth. It came to Earth, but not from Earth. The Enquirer interview couldn't have come at a more opportune time. It was 1979 and Steven Spielberg's film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which had premiered several months earlier, had stoked the public's appetite for UFO stories. After lying dormant for more than 30 years, the Roswell story blew wide open all over again. From there, the story kept growing. Dozens of new witnesses to the Roswell UFO began seeking out Friedman at his public appearances to tell him their stories. So the Roswell cover-up included humanoid alien beings. Over the years, Joe Nickel writes in Skeptical Inquirer, numerous rumors, urban legends, and outright hoaxes have claimed that saucer wreckage and the remains of its humanoid occupants were stored at a secret facility, the non-existent Hangar 18, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. People swear that small corpses were atopsied at that or another site. Now, for the record, neither Mark Brazel nor Jesse Marcel ever claimed to see aliens among the crash. No one went public with those claims until 30 years after the fact. So why do people believe in Roswell? I guess we have to ask, why are UFO conspiracy stories so popular? Anthropologists who study the Roswell myth point out two psychological factors that help it endure. Number one, it appeals to a cynical public that lived through the Kennedy assassination, Watergate, Vietnam, and other government crises and who believe in the government's proclivity for covering things up. As Time magazine reported on the 50th anniversary of the Roswell incident, a state of mind develops which easily believes in cover-ups. The fact that the military is known for covert activities with foreign governments having to do with weapons which could wipe out humanity makes the idea of secret interactions with aliens seem possible. Once this state of mind is in place, anything which might prove the crash was terrestrial becomes a lie. Number two, UFO theories project a sense of order onto the chaos of the universe. 
and they even serve as an ego boost to true believers because they suggest that we are interesting enough that aliens with their vastly superior intelligence actually bother to visit us. Believing in aliens, the argument goes, is much more satisfying than believing that the aliens are out there but would never want to visit us. So, is the government hiding evidence of an alien crash landing on Earth? In 1993, Congressman Stephen Schiff of New Mexico asked the U.S. government's General Accounting Office to look into whether the U.S. government had ever been involved in a space alien cover-up either in Roswell, New Mexico or any place else. The GAO spent 18 months searching government archives dating back to the 1940s, including even highly classified minutes of the National Security Council. The research prompted the U.S. Air Force to launch its own investigation. It released its finding in September 1994. The GAO's report followed in November 1995. Then a second Air Force report was released in 1997. All three reports arrived at the same conclusion. What the conspiracy theorists believe were UFO crashes were actually top-secret research programs run by the U.S. military during the Cold War. Take Roswell. According to the reports, the object that crashed on Mark Brazel's farm was a balloon, but no ordinary weather balloon. It was part of Project Mogul, a defense program as top secret as the Manhattan Project itself. Unlike the Manhattan Project, however, Project Mogul wasn't geared toward creating nuclear weapons. It was geared toward detecting them if the Soviets detonated them. In the late 1940s, the U.S. had neither spy satellites nor high-altitude spy planes that they could send over the Soviet Union to see if Stalin's crash program to build nuclear weapons was succeeding. Instead, government scientists figured trains of weather balloons fitted with special sensing equipment, if launched high enough into the atmosphere, might be able to detect the shock waves given off by nuclear explosions thousands of miles away. Project Mogul was such a program, the reports explained, and the object that crashed on Mark Brazel's field in 1947 was Flight R-4, a Mogul balloon train that had been launched from Alamogordo Army Airfield near the Roswell base in June 1947. The train of 20 balloons was tracked within 17 miles of Mark Brazel's ranch. Shortly afterward, radar contact was lost, and the balloons were never recovered, at least not by the folks at Alamogordo. The Roswell intelligence officers who recovered the wreckage didn't have high enough security clearance to know about Project Mogul, and thus they didn't inform Alamogordo of the discovery. On the whole, the program was successful. Project Mogul apparently did detect the first Soviet nuclear blasts. Even so, the project was discontinued when scientists discovered that such blasts could have been detected on the ground, making the balloon-borne sensors unnecessary. The project was discontinued in the early 1950s. The Air Force's 1997 report suggested that a number of other military projects that took place in the 1940s and the 1950s became part of the Roswell myth. In the 1950s, the Air Force launched balloons as high as 19 miles into the atmosphere and dropped human dummies to test parachutes for pilots of the X-15 rocket plane and the U-2 spy plane. The dummies, the Air Force says, were sometimes mistaken for aliens and because it didn't want the real purpose of the test to be revealed, it did not debunk the alien theories. Some balloons also dropped mock interplanetary probes which looked like flying saucers. In one 1959 balloon crash, a serviceman crashed a test balloon 10 miles northwest of Roswell and suffered an injury which caused his head to swell considerably. The serviceman was transferred to Wright-Patterson in Ohio for treatment 
The incident, the Air Force says, helped inspire the notion that aliens have large heads and that the aliens or alien corpses are being held at Wright-Patterson for study. Do the GAO and the Air Force reports satisfy people who previously believed that the object was a UFO? Mm -mm, not a chance. It's a bunch of paps, says Walter G. Hutt, who worked at the Roswell base and after World War II distributed the famous Flying Saucers news release in 1947 and became the president of the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell. All they've done is given us a different kind of balloon. Then it was weather, and now it's mogul. Basically, I don't think anything has changed. Excuse my cynicism, but let's quit playing games. female dieters the following is okay, a public announcement uh, for women you know the, uh, the number for interested in boosting Back everyone. Um, don't forget this weekend in Roswell, New Mexico, is the UFO festival that they have every Fourth of July weekend. After all, it was Fourth of July, 1947, when apparently a UFO crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, and this sparked off the UFO um, fad that we're all seeing today. Now, uh, some of the speakers at the Roswell MUFON conference will include Jesse Marcel Jr. He's going to be talking about the Roswell legacy and uh, Major Jesse Marcel was an intelligence officer for the 509th Bomber Group famous for dropping the atomic bomb on Japan and the first military officer to reach the scene of one of the most famous and enduring UFO events in recorded history of mankind his son Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr. is a retired full bird colonel for the UDS Army, who also served as a flight surgeon in Iraq. He will recount his memories with his father, including debris from the crash that Jesse Jr. was shown by his father straight from the crash site. He will also discuss the, his father's and his certainty that the craft in Roswell was certainly from a civilization not of this planet. Now, if you'd like more information on Jesse Marcel Jr., his website is www theroswelllegacy.com. That's www.theroswelllegacy.com. Also speaking will be Nick Pope talking about Britain's UFO files. We've had Nick on the show a number of times. And uh, Britain's UFO files have been making news around the world this year as the uh, United Kingdom government has been releasing their secret files slowly over the last few months and will continue to do so. Nick Pope was the government official uh, which investigated these reports for the Ministry of Defense. Nick will give his special insight into these remarkable files, which he believes to be of a mysterious nature and do constitute a threat 
to our airspace. Now, Nick's website is www.nickpope.net. That's nickpope.net. And finally, before we go to the news at the top of the hour, Travis Walton is going to be speaking as well uh, about the Travis Walton experience. Travis Walton was taken aboard a spacecraft in front of several eyewitnesses. His story is so incredible, a hit movie was made about his experience called Fire in the Sky. Now, the movie did not portray what Travis Walton remembers having experienced in the craft, so this is your chance to hear the amazing truth, Exonation. Travis will be on hand for a special presentation of the movie where he will be able to share his experiences. Now, Travis's website is www.travis-walton.com. That's www.travis-walton.com. When I come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, I'm going to be joined by Jason Gowan, and we're going to be talking to Jason about ghosts and ghost hunting as the Exxon continues on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. one 877 is toll-free. Exxon at talkstarradio.com is my email address. And if you'd like to visit our websites www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. My name is Rob McConnell, and I will be back at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on Talkstar. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. 